We're going to Judges, the 14th chapter. This is a very famous story. As a matter of fact, uh, this is another one of those Bible stories that you hear uh, even in, in kind of a folklore culture. You'll hear idioms and references to this Bible story. If they're talking about somebody that's big and strong, they'll talk about Samson. They don't even really know the value of what they're saying, but this is the story of of Samson and uh, I want to preach just a little something that the Lord put on my heart this week I was preaching this weekend in Odessa Texas and I was standing on the front row uh, while brother Cornelius Williams was preaching and uh, he happened to be preaching on Samson and the Lord spoke something in my heart I've never preached from this angle before and uh, Hopefully it's deep enough that you could splash in it if it was a mud puddle. And uh, it's not going to be so deep that it drowns you today. But we're going to talk in Judges 14, chapter 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and he told his father and his mother. He said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines now. Go get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife among the uncircumcised Philistines? And so Samson said unto his father, Well, get her for me because she makes me happy. He said, She makes me happy. This is a dangerous setup right here when parents are more concerned about their kids being happy than they are their kids being saved. Well, I could just preach that right there and tell you to be dismissed in Jesus' name. He said, go get her for me because she pleases me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines for At that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath. And he came to the vineyards. Everybody say the vineyards. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a little lamb. And he had nothing in his hand. But notice this. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. There's a secret to this. There's a reason why. And he went down and he talked with the woman. And you ain't going to believe what happened. She pleased him well. He said, that's what I want because it's going to make me happy. And when when they capitulated to his idea... And gave in, let him go down and talk to the woman. Guess what happened? She made him happy. We've been telling young people for years, there's nothing in the world to make you happy. That's not true. There's a ton in the world that'll make you happy, but it won't last. It's fleeting. The Bible said, the Bible said that she made him, she made him happy. And she pleased him well and after a time 
he returned to take her. There was no conviction the first time. So he came back the second time. And he turned aside on his way back to his girlfriend to see the carcass of the lion. The Lord was showing him, I delivered you. He saw the carcass of his previous deliverance. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. Now the story tells us that he takes the honey and he eats of it. And then he takes the honey back to his mother and his dad. And they partook of it. But he did not tell them where it came from. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning when hell sweetens the deal. When hell sweetens the deal. Let's pray. God, we need you today. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives. Speak to our minds. I need you, God, to prepare the soil in this place. I know the seed is good. Your word is perfect. Your word is powerful. But, God, I need unction to rest on me as your servant today to break the bread of life before your people. I pray today, God, for a mighty move of your spirit. I pray, God, that sinner, saint, and backslider alike would be drawn in your presence. Let lives be touched and changed by the power of the name of Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him thanks. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Can I, can I take just a minute and testify to you before I preach? Can I do, I'm going to preach to you, but I want to give you a testimony. Back in uh, February, my wife and I went to, uh, to Oslo, Norway for Breaking the Chains Conference. And when I came home, I told you we had some pastors that came from other denominations to the meeting. And I received a text message uh, from Pastor Joran Andreasen uh, on my, I believe it was on my way to Texas this week. And one of the pastors that came has invited Brother Andreasen, he was there this morning, they're six hours ahead, invited him this morning. They did a, uh, they did a, a, uh, a session, a service, whatever you want to call it, uh, on baptism in Jesus name and when I came into church this morning pastor Andreasen sent me a text and he said we have 20 people scheduled to be baptized in Jesus name after the service this morning God started a work in February at breaking the chains and today in a congregation that's never known the value and revelation we got at least 20 that's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Let's give God praise for that. We rejoice in the God of our salvation today. Praise God. I'm going to preach to you today. I want God to help us in this place. And uh, the Lord's going to speak to hearts. I do believe that. I do believe that. The word of the Lord tells us about Samson. If you're not familiar with the story at all, I'll give you just a little, a little bit of uh, a quick education on this man. He was a very unique man. Uh, as a matter of fact, his beginning was, uh, was very similar to that of, of uh, John Baptist's story. That an angel appeared unto his mother and father and told them that 
he was going to bear a son. There's some unique things that happen uh, when you start pulling on threads in Samson's story. It gets interesting because you can pull on his story and it pulls on a page in the New Testament. It's kind of interesting because we look at Samson's life and we look at his failures and we look at, at all the things that he went through and somehow there was restoration in his life. We thank God for that because in the book of Hebrews, he's listed as one of the faithful. And uh, so it's kind of interesting, but I want to tell you that uh, whether he's considered faithful or not, which we know he is by the Bible, I want to tell you that Samson had a tragic ending that it didn't have to end that way. And this is the thing that breaks my heart is that he started off ordained as different. Before he was ever born, his mother was told by the Lord from heaven, this boy is going to be different his entire life. There is a different kind of vow. There was only a few of them scripturally that were Nazarites. People mix this up sometimes to say, yeah, he was the same as Jesus. He was a Nazarite. Jesus was not a Nazarite. Jesus was a Nazarene. Samson was a Nazarite. It was a different kind of vow. And so his vow was that uh, when he was born, that they were never to put scissors to his head, uh, that they, they were to leave his, his face alone, that they, uh, he, he was never to drink strong drink, that he was never to touch a dead body or a dead carcass, anything that was dead. You can go back through that, and I'm hitting highlights, but you can go back through that and see that God, God put some things on him that... I really wish this generation could see, and this is not deep and this is not new, but I want to tell you, there's still power in this. God said, I'm going to use him, but there's some things that I'm going to require of him. And I want to tell you, that has not changed in the mind of God. If you're going to be used of God, it's going to cost you something. If you're going to be used of God, you can't just be like everybody else. Throughout the tragic story of Samson, he would say, uh, ultimately to the woman that would be his demise that if you will bind me with this or you'll bind me with that he makes this statement that's so incredibly powerful to me and it, and it makes me weak in my spirit he said if you'll just do this and I'll be like any other man this is the lie this is the lie that works in young people and works in apostolic families this is the lie that that you're supposed to be like any other man I'm telling you, when God puts his spirit in you and puts his name on you, that's, you need to recognize you're not like everybody else. There is a distinction between God's people and the people of the world. It doesn't put us above them, but it does make us different than them. And that's why he said, come out from among them and be separate. If you're going to do something for God, it's going to cost you. Now, I've preached, I've preached this story. I don't know. I wish somebody could go back and figure it out and give me a dollar for every time I've preached it. In my ministry, my lifetime, I've preached it many times over the last 25 years. But, but there's something about this story that just never, I, I never get comfortable with it. It don't matter how many times I preach it, I just, I, I, I never get comfortable with it. And I think one of the biggest things is because I see the, the frailty of human flesh in this. And, and I understand, I, I don't have time to go into the depths of this as in, in, in contextually speaking of how how this affects the big picture, biblically speaking. But I, I just want to touch a surface level today and tell you how, how I can see my frailty and, and my humanity 
in the story of Samson. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. It doesn't matter if the hand of God's been on you from birth. I want to tell you that Paul was, te- he, he, he gave us a strong example when he said, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he should fall. I don't care if you've been in church for 30 years or 30 minutes. If the devil can get you, he'll do whatever he can do to destroy your life. We must be sober. Peter said it. We got to be sober and we've got to be vigilant because our adversary the devil has a roaring lion is roaming to and fro seeking whom he may devour you may feel like you're in a good place today but if the enemy can catch you in the frailty of your flesh and one weak moment he would love to devour the anointing that's on your life he would love to I was a child I heard a sermon I heard a sermon about about the trophies in the halls of hell that that changed my life and I've I've lived through that story so many times and that sermon so many times you know preachers used to preach about hell and people would believe it was real (laughs) in the modern day church it seems like Eternal things have become a figment of our imagination. We'd rather hear about blessings and favor and come on somebody. We'd rather hear about financial blessings coming on us. But I I, got to be extremely vague in the way that I tell this story. I'm going to slow down and tell it, but I got to be extremely vague because we we're streaming and you get it. But when I was a kid and uh, we were on the evangelistic field, my dad was preaching full-time we're traveling and uh there was a man that we went and preached for and uh, we had revival there with him and and great people wonderful people great church and uh i remember getting the call that this man had fallen in sin Uh, i didn't get the call but you know what i'm saying I, i was a child we got the call this man had fallen in sin and then we knew we knew the man that came and took the church uh, after this this pastor had fallen into sin and so my dad went back and preached at the same church again and this time it was a different pastor and the church was trying to recover they they had been broken and it, it was so devastating and uh, I'm, I'm trying to be as vague as I can today because God has done a work in this deal years later but um, we were standing there visiting and the man who used to pastor the church I could take you I don't know if they've remodeled it or not but uh, if, if everything is as it was, I could take you almost to where my feet were standing. I was probably seven, eight years old, and I, I could walk you into the little lobby of that church and almost stand right where I was standing. I remember what I was looking at. And uh, the former pastor came to see my dad, and he was close with, with the new pastor, and, and he knew my dad was there, and he said, man, I just wanted to come visit with you. And so I'm standing as a child with, Two preachers, a pastor, an evangelist, and a man that used to pastor the church were standing in. And I watched as, as this man's eyes filled with tears. And he started looking around the room. And it, it was odd because it was like he was looking up at the trim work and the doors, you know, just kind of taking in all the details. And, and he looked at my dad and he said, just think, Danny, all this used to be mine. 
He said, all this was mine. And he said, I still lay in bed at night and God gives me sermons. He said, I've got things to preach. I just don't have anywhere to preach it. I didn't make up my mind as an adult. I made up my mind as a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid standing right there in that lobby. Whatever I have to do to be sure that I'm never standing in those shoes. Come on, I know I'm not spraying it to the fifth row right now. But I've come to preach to somebody in here. Listen to what I'm telling you. It is a downward progression. If Samson teaches us anything, it's that the mercy of God is so extravagant, you cannot imagine how great it is. And every time that he falls and every time that he fails, he moves a little bit closer and a little bit closer to his ultimate demise. You listen to this preacher when I tell you today, you're not going to wake up some random morning and just decide when you sit up in the bed that today is the day that I backslide and today is the day that I walk away from God. If you walk away from God, it's going to be because you started that walk a long time ago. You've been in that wrestling match for quite a while and it is the grace and the mercy of God that you're still here today. I'm reaching for somebody to tell you it doesn't have to end like that get back to the safety of the house of God I've got to get where I'm going this morning so just stay with me but this boy was born to be special he was born to be different when you were born again you were born different when you were born again you were filled with the spirit of God and 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 so because because he was special. I believe that the enemy had a target on him. And I know people don't really get this. I know they don't understand it. Until you walk in, this, in these shoes, you can preach this, but they don't understand. It's like when you come out of the world, and even if you've been delivered, even, even if the Lord set you free from addictions that you had, when you come out of the world, so to speak, and you start living for God, it's like there is immediately a fight and a struggle that starts in your life. And people, they think quite the contrary that when I come to the Lord that everything's going to be smooth and it's going to be a bed of roses. I'm going to tell you why it's not a bed of roses. It's because you're serving the Lord. The enemy left you alone while he had you. If the devil's not fighting you, that means you're not pleasing the Lord. Because when you start pleasing God, the enemy's going to do everything that he can to distract you and disrupt the plan of God in your life. But I've come on this Sunday morning to serve notice to the enemy that we are not intimidated by him and we are wise to his devices. We're wise. I, uh, I feel like I'm kind of hung up in that in-between stage. I can tell you for sure I'm not young anymore, but I know for sure I'm not old. I can tell you that much. I know for sure I'm not old, but I can tell you this. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been in the kingdom of God for a long time. I, I, I've, been, I've been in the saddle for a long time watching, and I'm going to tell you what makes me so sad is that I've seen stories that didn't have to end the way they ended because God had given windows of mercy and opportunities of mercy 
for people to walk out. Listen, people quote it and, and they say it's Bible. They, they say this all the time. God will never put more on you than you can bear. That's not even Bible. It's not even in the scripture. The only place you'll ever find that language is when it's speaking of temptation. It said you will never be tempted above what you are able. But God is faithful that wherever there is a temptation, that there will always be a way of escape. The only place that the Bible even alludes to the idea that there will never be more on you than you can bear is with temptation. But the enemy likes to lock your mind up with temptation. And when you're tempted, he wants to make you feel like you're a failure. And here's the reason why. Because what the devil doesn't want you to know is that temptation is the window that you see through of how you're going to overcome him. When you're tempted, God has given you a heads up to see. You don't have to walk that way. You don't have to live like that. It doesn't have to end like that. When I, when I was a child, a young, a young man, and uh, I would be tempted to do something stupid. I mean, you can say whatever. Call me a people pleaser if you want. But uh, I, when, when, when we were kids brother jason I, I i would you know i was like every other kid i'd be tempted and uh well if i if i get tempted to do something stupid i would start seeing faces i would st- i'd start seeing faces of preachers i would I'd, I'd be tempted to do something dumb and i'd see i'd see brother steve wilson's face i'd see brother rb bingham's face my granddad I, i'd see i'd see all these these preachers that I grew up, I'd see their face and the disappointment on their face as they were loving me because I knew they would if I made a mistake. I knew they'd love me, but I'd see the disappointment in their face when they'd say, buddy, what happened? In the moment of temptation, I would see the moment of disappointment. We've got, we've got to start learning to think ahead a little bit. This is probably not what you came expecting on a Sunday morning. We, we've got to start thinking ahead a little bit. And when we see the temptation, the temptation is not necessarily the opportunity to just jump on and be like, oh, hey, there's a temptation. I'm going to, I believe that I don't believe God sends the temptation, but I believe God allows the temptation for us to see the window. And I believe God gives us a moment to think about some things. You hear me right now when I tell you, I wish I was Superman and I wish I had it all together, but I promise you that over the last 23 years that I've served you precious people, there have been moments of weakness in my life that I had to step back and think about the faces of my beautiful children and the face of my wife and the face of you precious church people and standing before this congregation and telling you some things that I didn't want to tell you. Let me tell you the reason why. We got to start thinking ahead because the scripture said that the race is not to the swift. The race is to the one that endures. You're going to have to endure some things. You're going to have to outlive some things. You're going to have to outlast. Pastor, you preachers are different because you're holy. You preachers are different because you're separated. And so are you. The reason why it's noticed so much with preachers is because they're the big cedars that fall in the forest. That's what David said. How the mighty have fallen. And maybe some folks feel different, but I'm going to tell you right now, I thank God for every preacher we got that's preaching the gospel, but my heart breaks just as much for every mighty prayer warrior that falls. 
Boy, it's kind of tied in here on Sunday morning. I'm preaching, I'm preaching to somebody in here right now that's been in a wrestling match. You hear me? If I've ever been in the Holy Ghost, I'm in the Holy Ghost on this Sunday morning. There's some of you that are fighting a losing battle right now. You're in the midst of the greatest battle in your life. And you feel like you're winning because you keep putting it off. And you just show up to church and, and you act like it's not there. But you listen to me. If you keep entertaining that and you keep walking down that pathway, there will come a moment in your life that you're not as strong as you think think you are not me pastor not me pastor can I echo again let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he should fall. I've come to preach to some apostolics today. I thank God for every year that he's given me in ministry, but it breaks my heart the years that I've had to spend in ministry restoring things that should have never been broken in the first place. Thank God for the ministry of restoration and thank God for the ministry of reconciliation, but thank God for discernment in the Holy Ghost This. I'm going to stop this before it ever starts. Woo. I would rather live in the land of prevention than to visit the village of restoration. I want to help somebody today realize that the enemy of your soul does not care for you. I wish so bad that our young people could see this. I, I, I don't know why every generation has to learn their own lessons. I wish to God that you would let some elders speak into your life and tell you, I've tried that path. I tried that road. It was not successful. And it was only by the grace of God that I'm here today. Listen, young people, you don't have to backslide to have a testimony you don't have to be restored to God to have a testimony why don't you just rejoice in the fact today that you've been called by his name you've been filled with his spirit and you're not meant to be like everybody else When I start preaching like this, I, I, I hear those voices in the spirit saying, oh, yeah, this guy, just he believes in perfection and he don't believe in restoration. If you believe that for one second, you've completely missed my heart. I, I believe. Oh, God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for restoration. I believe in restoration. But my point is we ought not have to spend our whole walk with God restoring what's been broken. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord would move on Samson at times. That's what the King James says. The Spirit of the Lord would move on him at times. But what was it that was happening when the Spirit of the Lord would move on him? And this is very interesting. The Bible tells us that the beginning of his downward spiral... In chapter 14 is that he sets his eyes on a woman from the camp of the Philistines in, in Timnath. And the Bible said that, that he was on his way down to see her when he came to a vineyard. 
Are you with me? I love, I love to preach the powerful miracles that God does. Joker picks up a lion and shreds it like a little kid lamb. Right? We've seen it. We've read it. It's powerful. It's a good deal. Big, big, big time stuff. Every picture they draw of him, he's got big old biceps like mine. I'm going to use, have to start using a lapel mic, I guess. That made him to be big and bad. He probably was. I mean, he was. But you, the, the, issue, the issue with this is that the bigger we make Samson, the more we lean on the ideology that it was his strength that got him out. I don't care how strong the dude is. I've seen the world's strongest men championship thing. There ain't nobody that I ever, ever, that's lifted the gates of a city and just walked off with them, took them up to the top of a hill and threw them down. I did that one time, but I, we, haven't, we haven't talked about it. And we, we look at it, we talk about, oh, what a powerful miracle. Look, look at Samson. Look at what he did. That lion came to destroy him in the vineyard, and he picked that joker up and shredded it into pieces. I mean, I, I think this language is indicative, if you understand what it's talking about a kid. I, I think that it's probably talking about the way it looks when a lamb is slaughtered, as in being prepared to be cooked. I believe, I believe it meant he grabbed a hold of that thing and started tearing it. I believe, I believe he had the brisket laying over here, and I believe he had back straps laying. I, I believe he took that line and shredded that joker to pieces. I believe, he, I believe it looked like a, like a Colorado elk hunt. I believe he had it separated. I believe it was out. Here's the issue. Here's the problem. The vow that was placed on his life at his birth was you're to stay out of the vineyards. No wine for you. So let me ask you, was God really doing a miracle for Samson? Or was the miracle God having to bail him out of a place that he shouldn't have been? Ooh, look how strong he is. No, he was actually pretty weak. He was walking in a vent. Well, you're just looking into stuff, Pastor, because his vow technically, and I love that word in Pentecost. Technically. That is not chapter, line, and verse. Technically. I'm like, technically, you're a dummy. Technically. <laughs> Everybody say, I forgive you, Pastor. I'm not offended. So then what is it you're getting to, Pastor? The Bible doesn't explicitly say that he was drinking wine. So I don't know what you're making a big deal over. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. If you walk in the vineyard long enough, you're going to show up at a wine tasting before it's over. Come on, I come to preach on Sunday morning. Don't tell me you've got intentions of just measuring the strength of your resistance. I can walk in here and it don't affect me. I, I, I can come in here and it don't affect me. Listen, when the grapes couldn't get him, a lion came after him. I, I don't think y'all are ready for what I'm preaching to you right now. Let me make this crystal clear to you. 
It never ends the way you think it's going to. It, it, it never ends the way you played it out in your mind. He said, I'm strong enough to resist the wine. I'm strong enough to resist the grapes. But are you strong enough to resist the lion that you didn't see hiding in the vineyard? So this lion, young lion, I love it. Young lion. I don't think that means baby. I think that means it was still young and strong. I think it means it was a powerful line. Anybody disagree with that this morning? Don't raise your hand. I believe, I believe that means it, it was a young line. In other words, it was in the prime of its strength. And he saw this lion coming to devour him. And I know, I know, the scripture said that he took it with his bare hands and shredded. But I don't believe he did it by his own strength. I believe that God sent him the strength to deliver him from the lion. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's amazing that God will even visit us in the midst of our disobedience to deliver us from a lot. To deliver us from a lion that we didn't know existed. Oh, I'm strong enough to walk through this vineyard. I'm strong enough to resist. I know what my vow is, but I'm strong enough to resist. But it's the unseen things that you didn't know were coming. That God's either going to have to preserve you or you're going to die in a tragedy. Oh, man, I want to help somebody today so bad. My soul cries out in this house today for somebody. It's, it's time to do whatever you got to do to get this thing squared up with God. And so the Bible said, that, that, that the Spirit of the Lord, verse 6, came mightily upon him. I've had people ask me questions before. I, I, back in the day, I was dealing with some organizational work, and there was a pastor that had, had, had been involved in some, some uh, promiscuous lifestyle. And it happened, went on for like a year and a half before it, before it ever came out. And uh, somebody asked me the question. They said, how does, somebody, how does somebody keep just getting in the pulpit and preaching and God uses them? It's in the Bible. The Spirit of the Lord moved mightily upon him. Y'all remember in the Olympics a couple years ago when the whole, I, I almost hate to say the, the country because they're probably watching us on YouTube right now. The whole Russian Olympic team got disqualified Right? Because they were doping. Remember that? Yeah. Everybody, was, everybody was so ticked off. They were like, that's not fair. It... Why don't we just give everybody a trophy? Yeah. <laughs> the Olympic Committee's getting rid of silver and bronze. They're just going to start giving everybody gold. Oh. Not really. Don't. I was joking. I'm not lying. And so I, I technically, so I, I got to thinking about this Russian team, you know, and, and I, I wondered, Sister Dara, like those, those people that ran track, let's just say they ran track, if they, if they took them, now they're disqualified, so they can't run, but if they took them that day and put them in the race, I wonder if they could win. They probably could. Probably could. Because they were as gifted as they were before they doped. You understand what I'm saying? Their gifting didn't change. 
The issue is that they were disqualified. Oh, Brother St. Clair, I knew a guy in the 70s that, man, he'd just prophesy and prophesy, and he was in the Holy Ghost, but it came out later. He left his wife and family and like, yeah. It's true. And the gifts and callings of God, they're without repentance. If you got a gift, you got a gift. I mean, Lord, I'm not a great preacher, but I've, I've tried pretty hard to develop what little bit I got. This doesn't, it just doesn't just come because you pick up a book on how do you preach and just read a book. I wish it was like that. It's investment. So when you, you hone your skill, you work on your gift, and, and you mess up. The gift don't go away. Well, but yeah, yeah, but pe- people, people are still getting the Holy Ghost. Yeah, and people still got water from the rock when Moses smote it instead of speaking to it. Y'all with me this morning? Everybody doing okay? Y'all ready for a coffee break? You're not going to get one because I'm not quitting yet. So God, God spares him. He destroys that lion with his bare hands. Wow. How did it happen? Because the Spirit of the Lord moved mightily on him. Shreds it like a kid lamb. And then, then, he visits with this girl. And like the lion wasn't a big enough roadblock, you know. At this point, I'm like, dude, you got blood on your britches. Look like you massacred a lion or something. Just go home. It's obvious that there's a threat in what you're doing. Like, don't, don't keep going. Don't, y- y'all understand what I'm saying, like. Don't, don't keep, so he goes and washes his hands off in the brook and walks down there and gets some sugar from the Philistine from Timnath. And the Bible said she pleased him well. Well, there's a surprise that a party actually felt like a party. Woo! It's something, Brother Small. When, 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 when young people... They come and get surprised. I'm going to tell you all something that I've heard is scary. It's scary. But I've heard young people that left the house of God, started living the way of the world, and they said, the first rock music concert they went to, they said, when the music started, I got chills just like I'd get on Sunday at church. I'm telling you the truth. First concert they went to, they said, it was, it was crazy. I got overwhelmed. You know why? Because you're used to being in a spiritual atmosphere. And, and you, don't realize, you don't realize the damage of how, how all this works. You leave the presence of God and you realize you weren't really addicted to him. You were addicted to hype. I was raised in a generation of helicopter dancers. Y'all don't even know what that is anymore. Never dreamed I'd pastor one of them that I watched as a kid. <laughs> this man right here has been dangerous for a long time. He's the only man I knew that shout his tie off in church and then put it back on during church. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, Sister Small? He'd do it. Huh. I'm going to tell y'all. 
We live in a weird generation. I got to hurry. But you watch young people today. They don't dance to the rhythm of the spirit anymore. When you go to a youth meeting, they all dance at the same time like this. This up. So you get on YouTube and you look up nightclub, dance club, whatever. You know what they're all doing? I'm so in love with Jesus, are you? Or you just like the feeling that you get? Because Samson got addicted to this feeling. When the Spirit of the Lord moved on him, it wasn't a warning to him anymore. The Spirit of the Lord moved on him, and he said, whoa, look what I did. And he started feeling stronger than he really was. Because the Spirit of the Lord had delivered him. And he visits a woman and goes back and tells his mom and dad. He said, whoa, she's it. That's what I wanted. And mom and dad get weaker and weaker. But babe, they go in the bedroom, close the door. Babe, if we tell him no, he's going to be mad at us. Well, God forbid. Bless his little pointed head. Yeah, but if I, if, 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 I make them, if I make them get up and come to church with me, they're going to be upset. Well, you can make them get up and go pay their own bills. Come on, it, was, it wasn't an option in the St. Clair household. It wasn't an option in the St. Clair household. If it's Sunday morning, you're going to church. If it's Sunday night, you're going to church. If it's Wednesday night, you're going to church. If it's Thursday night, you're going to prayer meeting. Yeah, but I want to play ball. Too bad. I don't have the guts to tell the story on camera. About the time that my mother thought a girl from Timnath was after me. Jesus, please don't let her be watching in Jesus' name, please. <laughs> this girl sent, sent me a letter. She put some pictures in it. She was supposed to be apostolic, but I, I could tell by the way she was dressed in the picture. It, it wasn't nothing close to what people see now. But she, she didn't look holy. I'll just say it. She didn't look holy. And uh, dummy me, I, I took it and showed it to my parents. <laughs> you want know why? Because I respected my parents in such a way that I knew I'd be better off to share it than hide it. Y'all ain't. You ain't even ready. If you don't stand against it now, you're going to have to attend the wedding of that girl. And I was sitting in my room. My mom sent me to my room. Eli, I had my base in there, and I got a hard case sitting down on the floor. Like, I didn't take the pictures. I didn't send the pictures. I showed her the pictures, showed my mom the pictures. And when my mom saw the picture, she said, get to your room right now. 
I was like, can I take this with me or? <laughs> you guys better straighten up and get sincere in here this morning. And I heard my mother coming down the hall, and by here, she looks little. But when I say I heard her coming down the hall, Brother Stewart, I mean I, I heard her. But it was like in warp speed. Boom, 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 boom. And my door busts open. I'm sitting in there playing my guitar. I'm down on the ground on this bass guitar thing. And, and I look up, and my eyes are big. And she comes walking. I'm like, my God, is she about to deck me in the face? What is she doing? And she comes running at me and puts her finger on the tip of my nose. And she said, in the name of Jesus, you spirit of lust, I command you to come out. I rolled my eyes back in my head and I said, no. I really didn't. I said, Mother, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I, re- I promise you. I'm fine. I brought you the letter. I'm fine. It's okay. You don't ever have to worry about me writing them. You know, back then we used to just, it was kind of cool, kids. I don't know if you've ever seen, it's a, it's a pen, paper, and you actually have to write. And you would sign your name and you would send it. And like five days later, they would open it. I said, Mom, I won't be sending any more letters to her that you know of at all. It's not going to happen. Technically. Technically. No, no, listen, let me, let, me, let me just tell you. Some would say, well, that was so abrasive. Your mom had no right to do it. Let me tell you, she had every right to do it. Yep, but Pastor, you didn't have a spirit of lust on you. Well, thank God for a mom that just wanted to be sure. She'd rather cast something off before it got in. Thank God for moms and dads that'll stand up and say, not in my house. All right. I got 29 minutes of preaching to do in about three and a half. So the Bible said he went back to, to, to his parents. And he got to thinking about it because this is the way sin works. He got home, got to laying in bed at night thinking, man, she sure is beautiful. And you know what? I know I broke some vows to the Lord, but nothing happened to me. It didn't kill me last time. I was fine. I, I, I shot up, and I lived through it. I took a puff or two or three or ten, and I lived through it. Got better. Drank, drank more than I've ever drunk in my life, but I survived. I made it. He lay in bed thinking, man, she was sure pretty. You know, that thing with the lion, that was, that was pretty crazy. I probably shouldn't have been in the vineyard, really. But, you know, I, I mean, God brought me out. Well, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord he did. So what's he do? Crawls out of the bed, gets up that morning, and starts heading back down to Timnath to see the girl. And then the Bible said, the Bible said that he saw the carcass. Where did he see the carcass? He killed the carcass. He killed the lion in the vineyard. Guess where he is again? He's in the vineyard. And this time, he's looking at the testimony 
of what God preserved him from. And now it's a carcass. You understand what I'm saying? Ribs exposed. Skull exposed. The animals have come and wreaked havoc on the bones of it. And he's looking at it. This should have been the point where he said, you know what? I survived that. I'm I'm, I'm not going to go back. But he stands there pondering. And I'm telling you, if I've been the Holy Ghost, I'm there right now. Somebody's staring at the carcass of your past deliverance today. And he stands there pondering in his heart. I feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now. And he notices something different. As he stands thinking in his mind, should I go or should I not? He hears. He gets a little closer. He said, what is that? He said, I believe that's, I believe that's bees. And Brother Snow, there's a little principle here. Now, this is deep. Where there's bees, there's going to be some honey. And he reaches in to the carcass. Guess what? He's not supposed to be touching carcasses. But now hell has sweetened the deal. Because there's more in it for you this time. The lion is no danger to you this time because he's dead. But not everything that appears dead is dead. Now there's life in the carcass because bees have put honey in there. And he reaches down and puts his hands. Oh God, this is a picture. I've seen it so many times of what God delivered him from on Sunday night. There's, there's, there's blood there. The enemy don't have access to it anymore, but I do. And he reaches his hands beneath the blood and shoves his hands in the carcass of that. And when he, when he pulls his hands out, he goes, hmm, hmm, that's not bad. Ooh, I think I need a little more of that. And he puts his hands back where his hands are not supposed to be. And now, now, what should have been bitter has filled his mouth with sweetness. And so the Bible said he's learned the system. And now he pulls that that beautiful comb out of the belly of that lion, out of the chest cavity of that lion, and he eats it on the way home. And he said, boy, that sure was sweet. And he takes it to his mother and daddy. And the Bible said he's learned the system now. They don't ask where it came from, and he don't tell them where it came from. He just hands it to them and says, oh, taste how sweet this is. Mothers and dads, we better be vigilant at tasting the things that our kids are bringing home. We better start asking questions. Where'd that come from? Who's behind that? Where'd you hear that? Before I partake of it, I want to know the source of it. Where'd it come from? That would have been a good time for his daddy to say, where'd you get that honey, boy? I got it from a carcass. You know better. You took a vow before God. Put that honey down and don't ever go back. I'm closing today. I'm finishing. But I want to tell you, if you read the rest of the narrative, this is what you find out. The deal just keeps on getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and he just gets more arrogant and more arrogant and more arrogant and finally he stands before these men 
throws them a riddle. Say, you'll never figure out because I'm smarter than you. But the enemy had access to the weak vessels in his life. Said they went to that girl at Timnath and said, you either tell us how to solve his riddle or it's over for you. And the Bible said that she told him the riddle and told them the riddle and they figured it out. And then he ended up having to fight battles he was never, should have never had to fight. He ends up having to destroy things he should have never had to destroy. Young people, listen. If you don't live your life for God and the vow that you took before him in an altar, I promise you there will be bloodshed in your life that you should have never had on your hands. There will be battles. Well, but God gave him the victory anyway. Thank God for victory, but let's prevent the battle before it ever starts. No, this morning, some of you, you can, you can remain standing, I'm done. I know some of you are like, man, I get sick, I get sick hearing this. You know, I got on, I got on flight, I got some bad habits. When I get on the airplane, unless I'm already talking to somebody and it's somebody I'm a witness to or something like that, you know, like, I just get, I get zoned in. I put in my Bose sound canceling headset. I just turn it on. I sit down. And yesterday, I looked up. I had the sweetest little flight attendant. A little lady about that tall. Her name was Kathy. I don't know. She was probably my mom's age. And I had on my headphones. So everybody's talking, sound like. <laughs> right? And I look up, and that little woman's going. And I'm like, I know. I know what she's saying. I know. And I looked around the plane. Everybody was reading, looking. And I thought, you know, I bet these people get sick of preaching the same old thing every, every flight. Don't think anybody's listening. There's two in the front, two in the back. One right here. There's going to be lights down here. People looking at their Bible. But you know what's going to happen? If that thing ever goes down, hopefully it's not when I'm on it. If that thing ever goes down, they're going to be looking at somebody that knows what's going on. Which direction do I go? Right here, sir. Follow these lights. Right here. You know why I'm going to keep preaching the same thing? Because whether you want to hear it or not, it's going to save you. Young people, it's not too late to make up in your mind today. You're going to serve the Lord. Married couples, I want to tell you, it's not too late to make up your mind today. Your marriage will be preserved. It's not too late to make up your mind. You're going to, you're going to be more faithful with your children than you've ever been. You're going to bring them to the house of God every time the doors are open. Come on, somebody help me this morning. God, what do we do? Be faithful. Be faithful over what we know. Son, I wish, I wish you wouldn't do that, but if you do, we're going to attend the, we're going to attend the wedding. We're, we're going to bless it. In, I wish you wouldn't do it, but we're going to bless it anyway. God, give us parents that learn how to love their children, to speak truth and life. I pray today, God, that you would fill this house. I pray for some backslider today that's gone further than they ever dreamed they would go I pray today in the name of Jesus for some cold hearted saint of God 
that's drifted further away than they ever dreamed they would in this house. God, I pray for somebody watching online today. It's drifted further from you than they ever dreamed they would. I pray that they'd come home today. It doesn't have to end this way. In the name of Jesus, would you reach your hands towards heaven right now? It's not too late. If there's breath in your body, it's not too late. Come on. If there's breath in your lungs today, it's not too late. Jesus. 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 I pray over every man, woman, and child. Under the sound of my voice right now, I pray, God, for our kids upstairs in Children's Church. I pray for our teachers right now. I pray, God, that you would touch this entire congregation today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not going back. Oh, God. I found myself in a place I never dreamed I'd be, but I'm coming home today. That's it, church. Let him touch your heart right now. Let him touch your heart right now.